0: let's pray (laughs) father in the name of Jesus once again we come to you acknowledging your presence in our midst but above that Lord Jesus not just acknowledging your presence but your authority and the authority of your word in our lives and father we ask you that you'll pour out your spirit into our hearts and uh, it is the spirit spirit of truth that will lead us into all the truth and uh, father because it is the only thing the truth of the word of god that can transform us because we are just like your word says we are predestined to become conformed to the image of your son jesus christ this is the moment lord as we read your word we ask you father in jesus name amen all right let's all go to um i'm sounding like my wife all right (laughs) go to second corinthians chapter five We're gonna read from verse eleven. This is in the context of the of the uh, the uh, the judgment seat of God. So uh, so Paul Paul said in uh, in verse eleven, beginning with the word therefore, because there's a context, there's a statement before that. In light of the the judgment seat of God, he said, therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. But what we are is known to God. Now, so I want you to, to, as you read, to highlight, underline, whatever. I don't know how you, you do it, but, but therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, okay? That's the first thing you need to underline, okay? But what we are is known to God, and we hope it is known also to your conscience. that You need to underline that. We are not commending ourselves to you again, but giving you cause to boast about us so that you may be able to answer those who boast about outward uh, appearance and not about what is in the heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are in our, our right mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ, now I want you to underline this, for the love of Christ controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. Verse 15, he died for all, that those who live, you need to underline this, that those, okay, he died for all, that those who live might might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake or in their place died and was raised. Powerful word this is uh this this morning i want to continue from uh, my last last week's sermon uh, last week uh, the title of last week's sermon was we throw you know the pursuit of relevance at what price at what cost and the point i was making is the modern church the contemporary church, try to be relevant and the danger of 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 us in that in that pursuit is that we can either compromise, water down, or we re, reconfigure the word of God and present the word of God not the way the word of God is intended to to be presented. And uh, so, uh, and I, I presented why you know we discussed the whole thing about relevant but this this morning i want to uh to present to present to you this question so how do we make it relevant really because my, my presentation last week was the very essence of our message is irrelevant because paul said to the greek it's utter nonsense to the jews it's offensive it's an offense to the jews so from both sides of the culture and, of the cultures at that time, it's irrelevant. Doesn't make sense, and every time you preach the, the cross, it doesn't make sense. And on, on from the other guy, it's offensive. And the whole of our of our theology of salvation that Christ is the only way. There's no other way. That in itself, in the in our situation now, in the politically correct society is very politically incorrect. So already now, every time I preach about Jesus, I preach something that is politically incorrect. Not only that, it is offensive. Not only that, it's irrelevant, it's utter foolishness. So how do we make it relevant? It's when the message of the cross is lived out by the people of God You are the relevance. You and I are the relevance. It's like, I don't know what's going on with you, but I'd like to have what you want, what you have. So the title of the message this morning is How Can We Make the Word of God Relevant? Let's all go to Acts chapter 29. Are you there X29? What do you mean it's not there? Are you sure? You know why? We are the X29. <laughs> I'm sorry for tricking you. Because the, the book, the book of Acts is the uniqueness of the book of Acts is that in every New Testament, <laughs> in every New Testament book, there is a closing remark, final greeting, or final statement from the writer. The book of Acts is just nothing. It was as if the God, by the power of the Holy Spirit, has organized in such a way, implying that the story is not ended yet. It's an open-ended, and we are the Acts, chapter 29. The story is not finished yet. (laughs) In this book of Acts written by Luke, he presents to us not just the, the formation of the birth and the growth and the development of the church marked by the presence of the Holy Spirit, But in the presentation, he presented that the presence of the Holy Spirit or the activities of the Holy Spirit is to enhance the spreading of the Word of God, the Word of God that is not relevant, (laughs) or the message of the cross of Jesus Christ. And yet we discovered last week that On the one hand, this word of God, according to Paul, is not relevant, it's offensive, and we we understand uh, it's politically incorrect, but described by by Luke in the book of Acts, it is the word of God that continued to increase. Chapter six, verse seven. It is the word, yes, irrelevant, offensive, and politically, politically incorrect, but it's the word that multiplied it's the word that continued, you know, in last chapter, chapter twelve, verse twenty-four. It is the word that continued to spread. Chapter thirteen, and the last one, towards the end of of, uh, of the journey of Paul before he his him being arrested, is the word that prevailed mightily. So the, the conclusion last week I said. I might not be relevant, but man, if the Word of God is going to spread, then let it be. I'd rather have the Word of God that prevails mightily. It might not be relevant, that's fine. Yeah? All due to the work of the, or the power of the Holy Spirit. Now here's the thing, there are narratives in, in the book of Acts it's not just the story of the increased multiplication and spreading and the prevailing of the word of God or the message but also the development and the transformation of the messengers Yeah I'll give you some examples some amazing some amazing characters here let's see Philip He was just a deacon but if you read Acts chapter 6 to Acts chapter 8 from a deacon to become a revivalist really so sometimes you know people I want to be a pastor you know what the Holy Spirit can do anything in your life you can be just a deacon or anything in this book of Acts it shows for a deacon to become a revivalist in Samaria not only that the guy who, in, in Acts chapter 8, verse 39 to, uh, to verse 40, experienced being teleported by the Holy Spirit. Can you imagine that? Star Wars. It's nothing. <laughs> he, after ministering to an uh, Ethiopian eunuch down south, God teleported him by the Holy Spirit all the way to the north. (laughs) It's a cheaper way of traveling, I suppose. The second thing is Stephen. From a deacon to a bold, fierce preacher and a martyr. And his sermon is the longest sermon recorded in the book of Acts. The book of Acts. The longest sermon. You have Peter's sermon, Paul's sermon. His sermon was the whole sermon. Covered the whole chapter of seven. Just a deacon by the man of wisdom, by the power of the Holy Spirit. And as he started to preach, he nailed three iconic points of the Jewish tradition. Number one, the temple. He said, because he was accused of denying the temple, so he stood up and, and pulling, you know, sort of putting down the temple. So he stood up and he started to go from Abraham all the way to the Old Testament in his sermon. The point he was making is this. Listen, God made Abraham before there was temple. <laughs> And even when David wanted to build a temple of God, God said, you want to build me a temple? Heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. So, like God doesn't fit in the temple. So he really I, annihilated the whole Jewish mindset about the temple. The next thing he, he hit on the law, he said, you, you want to talk about the law? You don't obey the law. <laughs> Your forefathers break the law all the time. And then the, the third point he, he hit was the circumcision. Do you know what he called them? You are uncircumcised of the heart. Pretty much what, what he said to them, you're not saved. <laughs> Do you know how to call the Jews uncircumcised? It's like, Wow. After his sermon... They were gritting their teeth, ready to kill him. Just a deacon. (laughs) But that transformed man. Transformed man. We know about Peter, from a coward to a bold, courageous preacher, preached the first sermon of the New Testament Church, Acts chapter two, and the writer of First epistle, epistle of Peter and Second Epistle of Peter. As a matter of fact, you know, we theologians making making a statement that you know we all understand that Paul is is a apostle to the Gentiles, while Peter apostle to the Jews, but Peter was actually, was used first to convert Gentiles into Jesus, to Christianity, Cornelius. So he was the first apostle that converted Gentiles into Christianity. And of course, the next thing is Paul from murderer and a bigot (laughs) to an apostle, to the greatest apostle ever lived, writing... Two thirds of the New Testament. Amazing. Here's another guy, not very significant, but significant enough. Not very prominent, I would say, but very significant. A guy, the cousin of Barnabas, by the name of Mark. Okay? Let me just listen to some of his story here. In Acts chapter 15, He was despised by Paul. Because as a young man, they were going on a missionary journey, and he abandoned them, you know. Young, young person, probably still one of his comfort, whatever. So he left the mission field. So uh, on the following journey, Paul said, let's go back to Antioch, and let's do something. And Barnabas said, I'm going to bring Mark with me. And Paul said, no, he abandoned us. I'm not going to do that. And the Bible, the Bible describes that in Acts chapter 15 the, there's a huge uh, argument between Paul and, and, and Barnabas. So Barnabas, from then on Barnabas went with Mark, Paul went b- with Silas. Now we don't know what happened with, with Mark and, uh, and all those things. Obviously Paul despised this guy, this young man called Mark. But I want you to I want to draw your attention to some of the Paul's writings in concerning this guy, Mark. Okay, he missed it, he blew it. But in Colossians chapter 4, verse 10, Paul wrote this, My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greeting, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You have received instruction about him if he comes to you welcome him something has changed in 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 uh, mark's life right and in philemon chapter uh, verse 24 paul sending greed, uh, greetings to, to the, the church and he said this greeting also mark sent his greets and he he the way he he expressed he said mark my fellow workers in other words, not just a, a restoration of relationship between Paul and Mark, but Paul has, there's something God has done in Mark's life to the point that he became Paul's fellow worker, fellow minister. And the last, the last letter of Paul Paul's, before his execution is 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 4 verse 11 Paul wrote like this in the closing of his letter. Only Luke is with me. And he's, this is what he said. Get Mark and bring him with you because he is help me, helpful to me in my ministry. A man who was once despised now is the most helpful a fellow minister. A transformation happened in the life of the believers. The development of the messengers is about making messengers compatible to the message they carry. It's crazy how some people are good, great preachers. There are a lot of crazy things out there, and you think they are successful, great, they are fantastic, and then, and many of them, like you know, I can't. I don't want to name many, but at the height of their ministry, then you hear, you know, like, they just fall. There's one minister alleged and accused as a sex sex, sex predator, predator. It's like, wow. And Somebody, you know, we, we heard people, pastor of Omega Church decided to deny his faith. It's like, what happened? You can know it here, but is there a transformation in your heart? You hear something like that, it's like people in the world then listen to, to, to our gospels, like, and then they listen to, to that story, it's like, I think I've got enough problem, I don't need another one. It has to go beyond our preaching. You know, I said to die, we were sitting down having, having our, our, our breakfast, romantic breakfast. <laughs> I said to die, honey, if the only legacy that we have when we die is that you and I we love each other, let it be so. And I, uh, I said it to, to my son, Ben. I said, Ben, that's what, I, uh, that's what I said to mom, and he looked at me, and he said, not only do you love each other, but you love Jesus. <laughs> that's what he said. There's no question about your love for Jesus. It has to be, people have, you know, people have to be able to see that in you. you are the message whether you like it or not. What is the Christ-like nature? Here's the thing. The more we lose of ourselves, the more Christ is manifested in our lives. Let's see Paul's mindset here, all right? This is what Paul said. Early in his ministry, he wrote to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 9. This was written in 53 to 54 A.D. He, He called himself the least of all, the apostles. Very humble. Yeah? And then later on, in AD 61 to 62, he wrote to the Ephesians, Ephesians 3, verse 8, he said, I'm the least of God's people. He didn't use apostles anymore. He kind of just went down. Now, the last statement before before his persecution, he wrote to Timothy in First Timothy chapter one, verse fifteen to sixteen. Now this is written a year later. You know what he said? I'm the worst sinner. <laughs> Can you see the the decline of how he sees himself? I think we live in the, in this success driven. And what about the, not just the success, but the appearance of success, driven people, including ministers, how I look, Whereas Paul is like, "No, no, no, the more I disappear, the more Christ is manifested." As a matter of fact, in, in uh, Second Corinthians chapter three, he said, "I carry always carrying the death of Christ so that the life of Christ may be manifested in my body." Wow always carrying the death of Christ so that the life of Christ may be manifested in our body. So how do we have this message totally? Now, when I talk about the message increase, multiply, spread, prevail, mightily, it needs to happen in our lives. The word of God needs to increase in our hearts. It needs to multiply in our hearts. It needs to spread it needs to prevail above all when we live in the society that live in the pursuit of happiness it's about how you feel it's like you know let's just see how you feel no no it's not about how I feel it's about what the Word of God says because Following the Word of God, I make decisions about a lot of things that I'm not happy about the decisions, but I'm not, it's the right thing to do. I'm not going to be driven by how I feel. Let's go back to the passage that, we, that I read in the beginning. It begins with this knowing the fear of the Lord. Number one, you can write that down. He said, Based on this fear of the Lord, now we try to persuade others. It's not just a discussion because I've got some superior knowledge and, and all those things. Like, let's just discuss. No, no, no. It's not about that. I'm, I have the fear of God so strong that I want to talk to you about this. That is the, the foundation of why we do the things we do. It's not, you know, it's cool to be a Christian. Yeah, maybe it is. But that's not what I'm thinking about. I have the fear of God in me. And because of that, I'm going to persuade others. Not because it is some sort of cool belief system. And here's the thing, the next point. I love this. What What we are is known to God and I hope it is not also in your conscience, to your conscience. People, oh, you know, God knows my heart. No, no, people need to know your heart too. It's not enough. I want to say this. Let me just be as blatant. A disciple of Jesus should be so predictable by the people around, around them, around him or her. People need to know how you're going to react. We're not going to be we're not going to be perfect, but people need to know how we are going to respond. I've told you the story before. I'm going to tell you again. I used to work in the tire factory. Now, to work in this factory, I have to be part of the union, and I didn't like the union because the, sometimes the union goes too far to the point that the Wage earner tells the wage payer what to do. You know, like, are you getting what I'm saying? And I don't like that. I thought, no, I, I, he pays my wage, I serve him. So anyway, because of that, the union hated me. They hated me. As a matter of fact, one day, somebody, one of the union, union rep, wanted to punch me. They, they, he grabbed me by, by the, by, by the scalp like that and pushed me against the car. Because in the union, meaning they want to go on strike, and then everybody says, yeah, we're going to go on strike. You know, they like to have the rally, so they ask people to give their opinions. So I pray, I said, Lord, this is just power, power game, you know, because some people, some of these people can't afford to go on strike. So they say, anybody want to give opinion? opinion so different people gave their opinion. So I, I said, yeah, I have an opinion too, after a few people spoke. So I prayed in tongues. I said, God, give me wisdom. So I just grabbed the microphone. I spoke. They were ready to vote to to walk out. After I spoke, they voted to go in. (laughs) So this is why this guy, the the, the head of the union, was upset. He grabbed me. He said, you go in. We're going to kill you. I said, I didn't decide. You guys voted. (laughs) It's the majority. As a matter of fact, I didn't raise my hands, all you guys. I had to be escorted to my car by by their factory security. So they hated me. The story is this. Five years later, I was working on my machine, making tires, and then two of of the other union reps came to me. They said, hey, listen, we're about to have an election, and we're looking for a new union reps. Are you interested? (laughs) And I said, you got to be kidding me, right? I said, you know, I've made it clear every union meeting that I don't agree with the union. I said, you have to be kidding me. This is a joke, right? I said, you know where I stand when it comes to union. It's against my principle. You know, those two guys almost simultaneously spoke to me. They said, at least we know you're not going to lie to us. They might not like you, I think they will respect you. We live in the world, we want, we have this need to be liked by people. And yet Christianity, in the first church, they were persecuted. They were persecuted because they were irrelevant, because in the, within the Roman Empire, You know, the empire, the emperor, he did everything to keep the peace of the empire. So every religion is fine. Every religion. They they love the, the unity. Except for Christianity, because we believe in one God. Whereas other religions, there are many gods, you know? Yeah. And yet, the religion that is so persecuted a religion that began with a sect within the Jewish community, within one generation, became a religion of the whole empire. No gimmick, no email, no Facebook. They didn't even travel by plane or by train or by car. Most of the time, the evangelists would walk around different land. Why? Because the word of God multiplied in them. As they, as the word of God multiplied, he started to share with other people. And when he shared with other people, it's believable. Why? Because I can see it in the flesh. It makes sense. Yeah As a teaching, as a philosophy, it doesn't make sense, but when I see it, yeah, that makes sense. That's what Christianity is. I don't understand what you're talking about, but I see your life like, yeah, yeah, I I see it. It makes sense. It's only your life that makes sense. If the big God, this infinite God, all right? where his infinity could not be contained by our our finite mind's, you know, whatever capacity, he brought himself in the flesh to flesh out his infinite being. So he makes sense to, to us in the form of Jesus Christ. Right, now I can see God, Jesus. That means the word of God, this infinite word of God, the truth of the word of God needs to be made flesh in us. So it makes sense to the people around us. Let's all stand up. Can I have the measles, please? Can I have the measles, please? I love the words of this song. My questions, you know? Take my hand. Am I singing the wrong key, wrong key? Take my hand. Is that right? In the opposition, take my hand. OK, wrong key. <laughs> That's very high. Take my hand. Okay, I shouldn't be a singer. Come on, let's sing. My 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 thoughts, my my questions, questions. you're all I need. See again that that I like. Mm -hmm. So take my hand. Take, take my, my life.